When I think about it, I really can't imagine what was lost on that day when Adam and Eve, at the urging of Satan, rejected the word of God and when they willingly sinned. I really can't imagine all the things that changed on that day. I really can't imagine all of the heartbreak and the sadness and the shame that they must have been under, must have been so heavy uh, as the ruin of sin was then all around them. Uh, I think about how awesome the garden must have been, and I try to envision that, how, how really tremendous it must have been. Think about this for a second. Our God, uh, who is infinite in wisdom, our God who is uh, infinite in love, our God that is so uh, wildly creative, uh, having no restriction, having no limitation, he creates this garden. He tells us, uh, he puts in it all the things that were beautiful to see, all the things that were wonderful to taste. Uh, he, he builds this garden, he pulls out all of the stops, and he, our infinite God, describes it as he looks over it as being very good. Now, can you imagine that? The, the, the God that is infinite in all things uh, Genesis 1 verse 31, he looks at the creation of this garden and all these things and he says it is very good. Can you imagine how marvelous that was? I don't, we've never known anything that's actually truly perfect and so it's hard for us to conceive of the idea of perfect, but it is absolutely perfect as it exists. Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading verse 4, just, just listen. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made earth in heaven. Now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field yet had sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The God, the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. I go back up to chapter 1. God saw all that he made, and behold, it was very good. It's perfection. We can't understand that, but it's absolute perfection. There are rivers, and there are seas, and there are trees, and there's birds in the air, and there's grass that is growing, and there's cattle that's grazing there on the grass, and there are sunrises, and there are sunsets, and there's no death and no decay and life is everywhere, and it's absolutely perfect. And then you know the story. Adam sins in rebellion, in arrogance. Adam sins, and with that sin, everything changes. His home will forever be changed. Soon his son will murder his other son at his own hand. Really, both of his sons will be lost to sin. His livelihood changed. Instead of working in joy now, he would fight weeds, the Bible says, and thistles at the sweat of his brow, and the joy of his work is also lost to sin. 
Most of all, we find his fellowship with God has now changed. And where he once walked with God in the cool of the day, he will now be held off at a distance. The Bible says he was put out, separated by his very own sin. I really can't imagine all that was lost on that day that Adam and Eve sinned. Until I read of the day that is coming described to us in our verses today. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. I can't really imagine what that was until I read the verses of this day. And I want you to be sure today, in the grace and the power of our Savior, Jesus, everything perfect that was lost in sin will again one day be perfect. Everything that was ruined in sin will one day be restored in righteousness. And as it was in perfect Eden, listen, in the power and the work of Jesus, it will surely be again, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Today we're going to continue our study in the book of Revelation. Today our message is entitled Paradise Revisited. Paradise Revisited. Today we're in Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Paradise Revisited. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Verse 1, then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night. And they will not have need of the lamp, the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun. Because the Lord God will illumine them. And they will reign forever and ever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Praise the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and, and we just catch a glimpse of our future. We catch a glimpse of this promise. And Lord, we rejoice. Lord, we're thankful for our Savior, Jesus. We're thankful for a salvation that wasn't based on anything that we would do, any person, any church that we would impress. But again, by faith in you, it is bestowed upon us. Lord, we're thankful for that. Lord, I pray now in this hour, as we have gathered on this day, as we have come and as we have sung your praises, as we have come now to hear your word, I pray it will be a marvelous day. And I pray, Lord God, that you would speak through your word. And I pray, Lord, that we would be built up as the church, that we would be encouraged today as your people. And I pray for one and maybe many that will listen in today that do not know you. I pray, Lord, in the hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ on this very day, that they would trust you in faith. I pray that any hindrance, Lord, God will be removed. That would keep them from seeing you, hearing your good news. Lord, we come and we rejoice as we look at these verses. We pray now that you would speak. I trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, if you haven't realized it, I'll just go ahead and tell you. In our study, we are in the middle, really, of some very awesome Verses. Now, we've been through uh, 22 chapters coming into today. We've been through some really 
eye-opening stuff. Uh, We've been through some wild stuff. Uh, We've been through some tough things in our study of the book of Revelation. But where we are at now, and I want you to be sure of this, where we are at now is nothing short of awesome. We've been through a lot of stuff. We've learned of some marvelous things. We've seen some tremendous pictures of our Savior Jesus. But where we are at today is nothing short of awesome. And that is the description of our eternal home in heaven. Listen to me. This is a description of our eternal home in heaven. Be sure, listen to me, friends. This is our future. I will and you will as followers of Jesus Christ, these things that we're reading of, these things that we're having described to us, we will experience these things. Now, I'll just tell you, we read these things and it seems far-fetched. We read these things and it seems somewhat distant, too distant. It seems crazy to us, but we need to understand today the things that we are reading here, the 21st, the 22nd chapter, the things that we are reading, these things are our future as followers of Jesus Christ. This is our reality. I tell folks, I don't, I don't know what heaven's exactly going to be like. I read last week there are these gates uh, on each side three on each side, four sides of heaven. They're made out of a single pearl. I don't know what I'm going to be free to do when I get there, but I've said for about six or seven years, if you have trouble finding me, I'll wait at the south gate. I don't know if I'll make it there, but listen, if you'll get there, I'm going to try to meet there at the south gate. This is our reality. Those are our gates. Those are our streets. And this is what we will experience. So far in the 21st and now the 22nd chapter, John has been describing to us the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. Uh, As we hear those descriptions, uh, Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 keep echoing through my head. He says, I has not seen ear has not heard, and it has not entered the heart of a man all that God has prepared for those who love him. And as I read these descriptions, those words keep echoing in my my head. What we are hearing, it is marvelous, so marvelous that we really can't even imagine it. And I'll just tell you this, then as I attempt to preach through it, I keep thinking every week words are too limited to do this. And I think there's not, there's not, I don't have enough words. There's not, there's not good enough words for us to see this picture. Words are too limited. And so it's a tough thing for a preacher to, to pick, to preach the picture that we're seeing here in these verses. Today, we're going to keep moving. Today, that description is going to continue to unfold and we'll keep trying. All right, we're going to go to our verses now, starting in verse one. In verse one, it is a continuation of a description of the new Jerusalem. Uh, We had uh, the new heaven, the new earth, and then we had a description of the new Jerusalem. Well, as we move into the 22nd chapter, it is a continuation of the description of the new Jerusalem. In the end of chapter 21, it has been described to us the physical attributes of the city. 
And so as we wrapped up the 21st chapter, as we are looking at those passages, what we have described to us are the physical attributes of the new Jerusalem. Well, now as we start chapter 22, it describes to us, or it is describing to us, what life will be like in that city. And so we've had the description of the city. Now we're having described to us what it will be like to live in that city. All right, here we go, verse 1. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. The verse starts off, then. We have seen that word many times the last two chapters, actually all the way through the study of Revelation. Again, this is a progression. This is the next thing. It says, then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the New Jerusalem, there is a river. Just like in Eden, there was a river. Here also in the New Jerusalem, there is also this river. Now, where Eden's river was awesome, I can't imagine it, it's awesome, flowing with water, I believe this river in the New Jerusalem is even better. It said it's flowing with the water of life. In John chapter 4, it describes to us uh, this living water. It says this living water eternally satisfies. It says this living water springs up to eternal life. Now, John tells us here, the source is not some snow melt up in a mountain somewhere. It's not some watershed where it has rained. Uh, the source, it comes from the throne of God and the Lamb. Now, notice there, there is one throne with two occupants on that throne. And so, the source of the river comes from the throne of God and the Lamb. Now, see that water sustains life. We know that. Uh, water sustains life. Water refreshes. Uh, we, we build swimming pools. We jump in the water. We go to the lake. We jump in the water. We get done working. We grab a cool glass of water. Water refreshes. Water, this water gives life. And so understand, here we see this unlimited source from God himself sparkling and flowing from the throne moving through the city. Now what an awesome picture that is. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and the Lamb. Verse 2, in the middle of its street, on either side of the river was the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, see this. The throne is in the middle of the street. Now, the river is not in the middle of the street. Um, some might get confused there. When you read across it, you might, you might understand it as that. The river is not in the middle of the street. The throne is in the middle of the street. Now, I want you to watch this. Remember in the old Jerusalem, the focus of the city was the temple. And so after Solomon's temple was built from those years after that, whenever they crested the hill coming into the city of Jerusalem, the first thing they would see, the first thing they would look for, the focus was the temple. 
Well, see this, now in the New Jerusalem, the focus of the city is not the temple, it is now the throne. And so the the place that they look to is not the temple, it is the throne. In the New Jerusalem, the streets of gold lead to the throne of God and the Lamb. Verse 2 goes on. On either side of the river, it says, was the tree of life. On either side of the river was the tree of life. Now, understand, since it would be impossible for a single tree to be on both sides of the river, uh, I've actually seen a painting trying to depict that. Since it would be impossible for a single tree to be on both sides of the river, this is not a single tree, but this is a single type of tree. And so on each side of the crystal river, Uh, The banks are lined with trees of life. And so there is the throne there in the middle of the street. And there coming out of the throne is is this, this great tremendous river, the Crystal River. And then on each side of the Crystal River, the banks are lined with trees of life. Where in the garden the tree was singular, it was a single tree. It appears here that now it is a multitude of trees moving along the bank of The river. Now I want you to notice this. It says these trees are bearing 12 kinds of fruit. I'm not sure, nobody's sure what the 12 uh, types of fruit are, but many kinds, 12 kinds of fruit are being produced by those trees. Then it says they are yielding its fruit, their fruit, in every month. Here's the bad thing about our fruit trees. They only bear fruit for a season. In my yard, I've got a couple of peach trees, but I've got one awesome peach tree. And it's it's an awesome peach tree. I love that peach tree. Uh, It makes these big old juicy peaches. And I'll just tell you, there's something about having your own peach tree. Uh, It's better than the store. I go by the store and I pity the folks buying those peaches. I'll just tell you this, it's better than my neighbors. I look down my neighbors and all those sorry peach trees. Uh, There's something about having an awesome peach tree. I've got an awesome peach tree. Let me tell you something, the problem with this tree, it only produces peaches for a season. And then thanks to late freezes and birds, sometimes it doesn't even do that. Well, see the picture here. These trees with their 12 fruits The Bible tells us they are never out of season. All 12 months, all of the time, there is a harvest of fruit from these trees. Can you imagine that? How awesome that is? See this. In the Garden of Eden, before sin, you looked around. When they looked around, it was filled with life. And everywhere they looked, it was filled with life. It was marked with life. Well, think about this. I was thinking about this. If you ate of the tree of life, the book of Genesis says you would not die. You would physically live. That is why after they had sinned and suffered the consequence of sin, God had to push them away. God had to put an angel to guard this tree. Then in John, it says living water produces eternal life, life that does not end. And so I want you to see the picture here. In the new Jerusalem, 
There is now a river of life and it is flowing. It is endless in its source. And so you look in the New Jerusalem and there is a river of life. And you look over there and there are trees of life. And the banks are lined with trees of life. And they are producing fruit. And once again, when you look around, life abounds in all directions. And there's no death there. There are no graves there. There, It is awesome there. There's no separation. And life abounds. In this new Jerusalem. Now it's going to get better. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Watch this. These leaves give health. That's what it's saying. The leaves of these trees give health. You know what? Now I've seen this. Sometimes life, listen very carefully, without health is not a good thing. You know that? Sometimes I watch folks today, we think, well, if I can live another year, if I can live another year, if I can get one of these put in, if I can take these pills, if I can live another year, if I can live another year. I want to tell you, sometimes life with no health, it's not a good thing. I remember my dad at his worst. He would be in pain and he would be sick. We would go in his room and he'd say, hey, I'm ready to die. Hey, I don't want to live like this any longer. We'd say, no, don't say that. Life with no health. Listen, it's not a great thing, but I want you to see this. Here, there's not only abundant life. Watch this. There is also perfect life. Do you see what happened there? There's not just the abundance of life. There is perfect life. There is no sickness. There is no disease. There is no impairment. There is only perfect life. Folks, as it was in Eden before sin, it will be again. There is abundant life, but it is also perfect life. I think it's silly. (laughs) But you ever notice how many of our commercials today are for medicines? You know, I'm going to watch I'm going to watch a baseball game. I'm going to watch something on TV and there's all these crazy commercials for medicines. Most of the time they never even tell us what they're for. You ever notice that? They'll tell us the name of the medicine, they'll show some folks dancing and some folks riding bicycles. Everybody rides bicycles in those commercials. And you watch those commercials, I like to ride a bicycle. It says ask your doctor about this medicine then. I've never done that. Hey, doctor, I saw some folks riding bicycles. Can you tell me about Paxlovid or whatever it is? You ever listen to the side effects? And I think this is just as crazy as having all these commercials. They don't tell them, but they're for. Listen to the side effects. They have all these side effects. It'll say, for heartburn, somebody's riding a bike. For heartburn, take fire out Lovid. And then they say real quick, It may cause blindness, dizziness, constipation, big eyes, hiccups, and poor morals. I'd rather have heartburn. I don't know why anybody would risk all that. In heaven, listen to me. We're going to have life, but it's going to be perfect life. And we're going to have the remedy for all the sickness, and it's going to be a perfect remedy, and it is going to be absolutely as God intended. Praise the Lord for that. Verse 2, in the middle of its street on either side of the river was a tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Get ready for verse 3. And there will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His bondservants will serve Him. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His bondservants will 
will serve him. Verse 3 tells us of three great things. Verse 3 tells us of three awesome things. Let me walk you through them. The first thing is this, there will no longer be any curse. Praise the Lord, there will no longer be any curse. It's talking about the curse of sin. There's not going to be pain. There's not going to be suffering. There's not going to be death. There's not going to be separation. The curse is gone thanks to the risen Lamb, Jesus. The Bible says, He having become a curse from us, He became our curse, He paid the penalty, and He redeems us from the curse, and therefore there will no longer be any curse. Praise the Lord. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, the throne of God and of the Lamb will not be somewhere else. It won't be somewhere up yonder in the sky but it'll be right there in the middle of the city, in the middle of the street, flowing out from it a crystal river. Right there is the throne of God. Can you imagine that? There's the throne of God. Third thing it says, and his bondservants will serve him. And his bondservants will serve him. In the Bible, a bondservant was a person who chose to place themselves under the master's care and thus to willingly serve the master. That's what a bond servant was. They willingly chose to place themselves under the master and to serve the master. Well, it says here in this city, God's bond servants will serve him. Uh, it is a priestly type of service. Now, what that means is there we will praise him. There our business will be to minister to him, to God, to be a blessing to, to bless God. And the verb tense is, we will keep on doing it. Now that's an awesome thing, I want you to see this. Picture that. Our business in heaven is going to be to praise God. Our ministry in heaven is going to be to bless God. In earlier verses, we saw that we will take our crowns and we will cast them down at the Lord's feet. And we will join the praise of heaven. And we will start shouting. And we will start singing, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Get this this morning. And that's not the end. Sometimes we think that's the end. I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to take off this crown. I'm going to throw it at the Lord's feet. And I'm going to shout, praise the Lord. That's not the end, friends. That is just the start. I'm going to be honest with you. Don't, don't get mad. You can get mad if you want to. That's all right. I'm going to be honest with you. Some folks are going to have a real attitude adjustment when they get to heaven. They're going to have a real attitude adjustment when they get to heaven. And I see them and they, they come in here and they're all grumpy-faced, and they're all stiff-lipped, and they're all mean-mugging folks. I'd like to sometimes wonder what they're thinking. They're mean-mugging folks. And I want to tell you, that's not, that's not the attitude of heaven. Folks, the, the ministry of heaven is praise the Lord. Now, if those folks around you don't look at them right now. <laughs> the ministry of heaven is praising the Lord. 
The, the mission of heaven is, is praising the Lord. The attitude of heaven is joy, and I've been redeemed. And look at where we're at, and look at this life abundant. And the ministry of heaven is, hey, let's just praise the Lord. It's to praise the Lord. We don't have to wait. We can start today. Three great things in verse 3. Let me read it again. There will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. Whew, verse 4 is an awesome verse. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. His name on their forehead is a sign of ownership. It means I have the master's name on my forehead. I belong to him. I am under his care. I am under his provision. I'm under his protection. I belong to my master's name, and his name is on my forehead. Here's the best part. Now go with me. You ever let somebody down? I'm talking seriously. You ever hurt somebody? You ever let somebody down, you regret it? You hate it? You wish you could take it back? Imagine Adam. He knew God. He talked to God. He walked with God. And then one dumb day, Adam didn't believe him, his own creator. One day he rejected him, his own dear friend. One day he took the word of a known liar, Satan, the father of lies, over his own creator, God. And he sins. He betrays him. He rejects him. And God comes to him, we know the story, and he takes animal skins. The first sacrifice of blood is made, he covers them in animal skins. The Bible says that God has him ushered out of the garden, and they are separated. Adam is separated from his creator, God, and God is separated from his beloved creation. And Adam can't go back to God, not directly. And since then, no one, because of our own sin, can relate to God the way that Adam once did. The Bible says we can't look upon his face. He is holy. He can't have any part of sin. We are sinners, and so we can't look upon his face. And years go by, and years go by. Can you imagine the regret? And years turn into centuries, and centuries go by. And we can't look upon the face of our creator God because of our own sin. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. And then on this one day here in verse 4, the curse is lifted and friends, we can look and there is our God, there is our Savior, there is our friend and we can see him then face to face. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Verse 5. And there will no longer be any night. And they will not have need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. Now there's two great benefits here 
in verse 5. The first one is darkness is gone. There is no more night. Listen, there is no more darkness. The Bible says there is no need for a lamp to lie our path. There's no need for the sun to warm us along our way. But the Lord God will illumine us. It says the risen lamb is the lamp. Can you imagine that? No more night. No more darkness. Gone forever. And we walk in the illumination, the glory of our God. One last benefit. Remember in the garden, before sin, what were people supposed to do? Men and women both, go back and read it. Men and women, we are to rule over God's creation. That's what we were created for, not to be subject to it, not to suffer in it. We were to rule over God's creation. Guess what? How it once was before sin, how it was supposed to be, it will be again. And we will with Christ reign, the Bible says this, forever and ever. In this study... Those words have become some of my favorite words. Forever and ever. That's what it says, forever and ever. It means, again, we've seen it several times, from the ages of the ages, the ages to the ages. It means on and on and on. When you get through all the ages of the ages, there's another age that turns the page, and you start again from the ages to the ages, on and on and on. Listen to me. This time, there's not going to be an interruption. This time, we're not going to pause for a funeral. This time, we're not going to fall into the clutches of sin. This time, we're not going to suffer the consequences of sin, but on and on and on and on forever and ever we will rule with Christ in perfection. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? And then I bring it to this today. And that is all through Christ Jesus. Why do we praise him? That is all through Christ Jesus. I'm going to add this to it. And it is only through Christ Jesus. It's only through Christ Jesus. Listen, friend, you've sinned, I have. There's a payment for that sin, and it is death, eternal separation from God. There's a punishment that comes with sin. Listen, friend, you can stay in that. You can stay under that. You can walk under the shame of it. You can carry the guilt of it if you want to. Or listen to me, friend, in the grace of a God that loves you, that sees you, that cares for you, that longs for you, that wants you to see his face, you can turn to Jesus today. And in doing so, you can be saved this very day. All of that is in Jesus. All of that is only through Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come and I worship my Lord, my Savior, my hope, Jesus. I'm thankful that he loves me. He shouldn't have. Thankful he didn't cast me off. He should have. Thankful for your grace shown to us in the cross of Calvary through an empty tomb that we celebrate. Lord, I'm thankful that I could come and not of any work, not of anything that I would boast in, but I could come and say, this is my future. This is my portion in Jesus. This is my part. And I praise you for that. Lord, I pray for two things. I pray for somebody here that doesn't know you as their Savior, hasn't trusted you as their Savior. 
somebody that's still rejecting you, listening to the lies of Satan, I pray that today they would turn to you in the hearing of this gospel. They would receive your grace. And Lord, I pray they'd be saved today. I pray any hindrance to that would be removed. And I pray, Lord, for your name's sake, that would be the fruit of this message. And then I pray for those of us here who do know you, who have trusted you. Lord, I pray that we would sit up in our seats. I pray that we would pick our heads up. And I pray, Lord, that we would be filled with joy. We would be filled with peace. We would walk out of here and we would tell a lost world of the joy, the peace, the fruit that we see in our Savior, Jesus. Lord, help us in that. And then, Lord, we just come and say, thank you. Thank you. We praise you. Thank you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And it, it really is the reason we've met today to, to tell you there's good news to be offered to you today, and you can receive it this very day. If you've never trusted Christ, listen, he's paid for your sin on the cross of Calvary. It is settled in him, finished in him. If you'll turn to him, repenting of your sin, turning away from your sin, turning to Christ, he'll save you today. If you've never done that, do it today. If you're not sure if you've done that, do it today. If you say, well, there was some point in the past, but I'm not sure about that, settle it today. If you've heard it a million times and, and maybe you've become numb to it, listen, it's still the truth today. Or maybe it's the first time you've ever heard it. Listen, embrace it quickly today. Turn to Christ, he'll save you today. Just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. If God is speaking to you, if he has spoken to you, you come, let's settle that today. If you need more information, you come, let's settle that today. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never fought on believer's baptism. And you want to come like these two this morning and say, hey, I want to testify to, to what I have in Jesus. You come and we'll set a day that'll be a great day of celebration, testifying to what we believe of Jesus. Maybe you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll unite. Together we'll uphold this truth. Preach this gospel till Jesus comes again. Maybe you want to come Pray here at the front in an altar. Maybe you're going to come pray with me. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. I'm going to ask that during this time, no one would, would hurry about or stir about heading for an exit, but you would pray for those who are making decisions. If God has spoken to you, if you have a decision to make, if you need more information, as we stand and sing, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You come on. I'll meet you here. <laughs>